Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sheila Zielinski Show for this. Well, it's Valentine's Day for some people. It is February 14th, 2019. And speaking of cute little couples, you're going to love my guests today. And I'll tell you something, you're going to be real blessed by this couple. Listen, before I jump into the program, I want to talk to you about two things. First of all, SWAT prayer.com book market. We have filled all 50 states. That is right. We filled what I'm calling the SWAT prayer state reps. We have filled every single one of them. And that's good news because now we can get them. We're kind of working feverishly on the website right now. That's SWATprayer.com. And it's a fantastic thing. We're going to be sending out an email to the leaders. And then we're going to be sending out an email separately to the people that want to be involved but do not want to be a leader. So be watching for that and be praying for this project. This is a very exciting massive undertaking. And I don't think the devil is too pleased about it. Uh, A lot of the people working around this with me have come under a lot of attack. Uh, Just some absolutely bizarre things going on. I'm going to tell you, we need your prayers on this. So lift SWAT prayer, this project. It's, It's God's project. I'm just being obedient to fill this commission of getting these powerful warriors, these spiritual attack teams across the United States. Can you imagine when something is is going on in your state. Look what's happening in all the states in regards to these diabolical abortion rulings. Listen, where does this stuff get taken care of? In the war room. We're in a battle zone, and this is going to be exciting that every state now has a rep, and I'm very excited about what God's going to do through this group. So be watching over the weekend for an email. I'm anticipating the big launch next week, so everyone be paying attention to that. Well, one huge thing that's, it's all over the news, it's everywhere, right? The New Green Deal. You know what, folks? In my book, Green Gospel, I demolish what you think you know about the Green Deal. This green theology that's promulgated in every part of society. I call it the greatest deception of our era. And you'd be shocked to know what it's really about. It's not just being used to usher in a one-world governance through what the Pope calls a one-world climate authority. As if that wasn't bad enough, it's actually about eradicating six billion people and how they plan on doing it. Listen, folks, this is an awesome promotional deal that's on right now only for February. After that, you can't get it. If you order Green Gospel right now on Amazon, I will send you a signed copy of Power Prayers Warfare That Works, and it works. Jump on over there to Amazon, order Green Gospel, subtitled The New World Religion, fill out a review, and I will send you a free signed Power Prayers Warfare That Works, a book that my wonderful friend and I, Carla Butad, wrote together. I will send you a free signed copy along with an advanced warfare prayer that is not available to the public. And in fact, the draft that I've just finished no one has it except for me. And listen, if you already own Green Gospel, if you've already bought a copy, go to Amazon, please, and fill out a review. That is a very important one-of-a-kind book that no one else, no one else has tackled. And thank you in advance for that. Well, listen, let's jump into the program here. Speaking of spooky things, I can't wait to introduce my guest today. This is going to be an amazing show, especially in light of all things that go bump in the night, especially with the emergence of some of these new shows coming back out, different paranormal, ghost, spooky things. It is my pleasure to welcome my friends, powerful ministers, Mike and Gail Patton. Well, Gail's been on the show before, but this is the first time I've had Mike on. So welcome to the show, Gail and Mike. It's a pleasure to have you both on together today. Thank you. Yeah, we really appreciate it. I think you're the greatest anyway. You know that. (laughs) Well, speaking of great, this is going to be a great show, especially with there's something new in your neighborhood. That's right. Ghostbusters 3 remake is set for, I think it's set for this year, Somebody told me 2020, but there's all these reemergence of paranormal and ghost shows, and there's every other show on TV nowadays. It's just spooky paranormal and all things that go bump in the night. So I thought, you know, with the relaunch of Ghostbusters 3, well, why not have real life Ghostbusters on this show? So listen, I'm just going to hand you the mic, Mike. You can start us off, sir, and take it where you guys want to go, and you shoot it back to me when you're ready. 
even 2,000 years ago, people were interested in this subject. And I, I thought, well, you know, Lord, show me. You know, and it's in the Bible where all the apostles were in the boat and the waves were crashing over and Jesus came walking on the water and they thought he was going to walk right by the boat and then they thought it was a spirit. A spirit. They didn't think it was him. So I, I want to start with that in that here, here the apostles were and they themselves looked at, looked at Jesus and thought it was a spirit because he was walking on the water. And see, in my mind, that tells me that people, it's back in that day when they expect to see a spirit, expect to see a individual, a spirit individual, but an individual with a face, body, all that sort of thing. Okay, Gail. Well, one of the things, that Sheila, I was going to ask you, there is so much in the Bible about this. I mean, everything from Saul to, you know, but I, I wondered, Sheila, I don't have my Bible handy. Do you mind if every now and then I give you a, a scripture to look up? Absolutely. Okay. That'd be great because there is a lot. People don't realize i know uh, unbelievers don't realize how much there is in the bible but but uh we we're we're here to disavow christians of their um not so much ignorance but um people believe incorrectly about ghosts there's a lot of misinformation and hopefully we'll be able to straighten some of that out you know mike and i really do have a good time with ghosts we really we have i think that i first got interested in it a long time ago before Mike and I got married. That means 45 years ago. We've been married 44 years. And um, I was going to uh, uh, tell a little story about how I got so interested. I got interested and I have been studying ghosts and casting out ghosts ever since. Even though at the time I didn't know much about demons, but Mike did. Mike knew a lot about ghosts and ghoulies and everything else at that time because he had already been casting out demons for about five years. But um, I didn't. I was learning from Mike. We were dating. It was in Birmingham, Alabama. I was co-coordinator of the Salvation Army Girls Lodge, a, a home for runaway teenage girls. And I had graduated from Florida State in nursing, so I was the you know resident nurse. The other coordinator and I were down the street about three blocks away visiting a fellow, and uh, it, she had to pick up something or something. And so we're sitting in his living room. And the lights go on and off. And I'm thinking, what was that? And he said, oh, don't worry about that. That's just Henry, the friendly ghost. And I said, oh, really? Friendly? The Henry, the friendly ghost. <laughs> How do you happen to have for Henry? You know? And so he told us about um, a seance. He had had a seance party a few weeks earlier, really. He said, yeah, I had a seance over here with some friends the other day, and Henry's been here ever since. But he's not, he's not mean. He's nice. He's a nice ghost. He's like Casper. He never does anything very bad. He just turns on and off the record player and the radio and locks me out occasionally. But it's not he's not a problem. He doesn't hurt anything. And so I said, oh, that's interesting, you know. But um, let me tell you that, that Henry, Henry may be nice now, but be careful. To, Henry can turn on you. See, I didn't know much about how ghosts work and demons, but I knew that. I knew that there can be, you can have some friendly ghosts that suddenly turn mean. So I told him what to do in case Henry got mean. And I said, all you have to do, and he's, a, he's an unbeliever. This is true for unbelievers and believers. We need to use ghosts, Sheila. Every Christian can use ghosts to further the kingdom of God. I'm telling you, I can, I can get on the subject of talking about Jesus with the subject of ghosts faster than anything else. And you can get people saved faster than anything else. You can tell them about Jesus when they start to get terrified of their ghosts. They're willing to listen. It's amazing how people are willing to listen. Anyway, I told him, I said, all you have to do is say, go in the name of Jesus if he gets mean. So he said, okay. So about two weeks later, he comes running down to the girls' lodge saying, Gail, Gail, you're right, you're right, you're right. Henry got mean. He jumped on me in the night, and he, he got on my chest. He was heavy on my chest. He started choking me, and I couldn't even talk. I thought it. I said, go. I thought in the name of Jesus. I just kept saying, Jesus, Jesus, go in the name of Jesus in my mind over and over again, and he left. Well, Sheila, that was a great opportunity right then and there. And don't miss these opportunities, because I talked to him about the Lord. May, may have been the first and only time he had heard the gospel up until then. I don't wow. know. You know, he didn't he didn't um, get saved right then and there, but it gave him some a lot of thought, fodder for thought, you know. I think I'm coming to something I want you to read. Yeah, look up Deuteronomy 18, 10, 11, and 12. And in, in a minute, I'm going to get you to read that. 
it's basically what he was doing with his little um, seance party, you know, conjure up Aunt Susie party. A lot of people do this, whether you're Christians or not. That's with the surprising part. It's amazing how many Christians think they can do some dabbling with ghosts, something simple, some uh, something, you know, they think is not um, uh, spurious, but it, it is. And not only that, but God doesn't like it. And let, Well, let's read about that. Anyway, in Webster's, it says that divination is a foretelling of future events or discovering things, either secret or obscure, by the aid of superior beings, observations, certain rites and rituals and experiments. But that is exactly what mediums do. That's a great definition. But in the Bible, it also describes necromancy that way. It describes the necromancers that way. And God is not happy about it. He doesn't feel warm and fuzzy and, and wink at various different sounds like dabbling with ghosts. So re read that now, Sheila. Well, Deuteronomy 18, 10 through 12, there shall not be found among you anyone that maketh a son or daughter to pass through the fire or that useth a divination or an observer of times or an enchanter or a witch or a charmer or a consulter with familiar spirits, or a wizard, or a, as you just said, Gail, a necromancer. Now, folks, listen to this in 12. For all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out before thee. That's right. God is not, uh, it makes him mad. It, it provokes him to anger in another place in the Bible. We'll read that in a minute. But, um, you know, even things like Harry Potter, it's just teaching you how to dabble with uh, and be happy about ghosts and things like that. And a lot of Christians, it's amazing. They thought, oh, well, that's something that won't hurt my kids. It won't hurt anything. It's it's um, benign. No, it's not. It's the way ghosts get attached to people. Speaking of which, Mike, now I want to want you to talk a little bit about our friend in Selma. Though you know we met him at Margie's. Well, this was in Selma, Alabama, which I don't have to tell her kind of famous. And Gail and I went through many experiences there. But the orange juice lady was there, too, although she'd been to Miss America, and I think her husband left her. But anyway, there are a lot of spiritual things happening in Selma, Alabama. And Margie had the, one of the best ministries I've ever known. She had a little ice cream shop, didn't make any money, but nearly everybody that came got what they needed from God. A lot of people got born again. She's just really a sweet person. But she wanted us to meet this fellow that claimed to be, he was head of the witches for the United States, some big, big deal, which I usually don't listen to a lot because oh, people are always uh, promoting themselves to be a big deal, which is not unusual. But we were going back to this place, and I want Gail to take over now because she's real good at details, and I'm a little better at uh, a few things that she may miss sometimes. Gail, why don't you take it from here? He called himself a white witch, and a good witch. He distinguished himself among, from other witches. One of the things that Mike usually, detail that Mike usually remembers, when we got to a certain point with him, uh, he took us down to his room, down to his apartment. He, he and Mike got into conversation, and Mike said, well, they were talking about, he wanted to prove that he was a white witch, you know, and, and he could prove it because he knew what the the uh, witchcraft uh, song would be in the Super Bowl. It was coming up, and he, he was he was right about the song they sang. Gail, let me stop there and say we won't, we don't we need to emphasize this a little more because I don't know about now, but at that time that was a big secret. People were talking about it on TV and all over the place, and nobody knew what it was. Nobody knew what the song was, and this is real important because this. It didn't. The Super Bowl wasn't going to be played for two or three more weeks or so. We got we got down to his room. We, he, there was a big circle with a pentagram in it in the middle of the floor, and he considered that his to be his altar. And he said, "Now, whatever you do, you make sure you be absolutely careful. Do not step inside that circle." So, knowing Mike Patton, you know what he did immediately? He went directly into the circle, and the fellow was amazed. He said he had warned us that we'd be thrown across the room if we did that. Obviously, that had happened to him a few times. So he was very, he was very careful. He thought he was like uh, his witchcraft was benign. The only thing he did was call, pull pranks on his neighbors and thought he was wonderful. A, a white witch is wonderful power. Plus he was uh, had a wonderful power to, and he worshipped Diana and she came to him every night and had sex. And um, and he of course he didn't want to give up his what he called white witchcraft. 
because he he didn't want to give up Diana. He he had a clue of what would happen if he decided to become a Christian. But we knelt around his bed and prayed because Mike said, "Well, the reason I didn't get thrown out of that circle is because my my power of in the name of Jesus is stronger than your your power." And he he said, "Well, um, you're going to have to prove that." And so Mike sat we. Knelt down around his bed and he prayed, and it was a short prayer. Mike said something like, Lord, in the, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to show him the truth. Just show him who his God really is. Show him the truth. Who is his God? And he came flying down to Margie's ice cream shop in the morning, first thing in the morning. I think she opened at 6 o'clock or even before. He said, that, that last night, there was a big, hairy, monster, ugly, bigfoot-looking ape came to make love to me that night. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it, it God is so good. He is so good and so merciful. He he answered our prayer. He showed him who Diana really was. But he went flying out of town. Nobody ever saw or heard from him again after that. Yeah, I'll tell about the witch's theme song. So llama llama palama. And actually in a couple of three weeks, whenever the Super Bowl was way after that, we heard it. But the interesting thing, it was really a carefully guarded nobody on TV or radio or anybody. Everybody was trying to guess what, what it's going to be. And he said it was the witch's theme song. Now, I don't know about that, but I do know that he must have held some kind of position to be able to even know that because he's in Alabama you know it, it just confirmed that he was just not a little game player you know he really was you know doing actual witchcraft go ahead Gail. Well, that's an example she loved there, there's two things that you need to know seriously about ghosts number one ghosts need to be treated exactly like demons there is no difference they are demons there is another thing that's important to know about ghosts they're easier to get rid of than demons you have to have the person from whom you are casting out a demon. Uh, you need their cooperation. You do not need anybody's cooperation to get rid of a ghost. And it's just astounding how easy and quick. We get rid of them over the phone all the time. I have a card I use. I uh, Use ghosts to your benefit. I, I have a card that I use for evangelism. It's my favorite thing to use for, for evangelism. is a black card with a beautiful sunflower on it, and on it, it says my name and my phone number, and it says Ghostbuster. One example I like to give is I'm on an airplane, and I'm sitting next to a girl. Mike wasn't, we were headed for Orange County. Um, Mike wasn't there, and she, we struck up a quick conversation, and just the weather, the usual thing, and I ask her what she does, and I'm leading up to asking her for a card. I ask her for a card. And she gives it to me, and I say, oh, thank you. And her being the gracious person that she was, she asked me for my card. So I gave her my first. A lot of times I give my business card first because I don't want them to think I'm slap cadab out of my mind. But then I give them the Ghostbuster card, and I say, but this is what I do for fun. And then they usually say, oh, for fun. You, you're a Ghostbuster for fun. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Ghosts are fun. They're easy to get rid of. And usually right about that time, you're on the subject of Jesus because they say, really? Really? How do you get rid of them? There you are, right there on the... Talking about the power in the name of Jesus. There is so much power in the name of Jesus. I find it fascinating. You touched on Harry Potter. You got this billion-dollar industry teaching little children are doing spells, potions, hexes, vexes, incantations. And yet, get this. In Walt Disney, now this is, I did a Disney deception, sort of an expose, and I thought, I always thought this was very fascinating. Disney came out, I think it was back in 93 or something, with a movie called Hocus Pocus. Now this villainous trio of witches inadvertently resurrect this teenage boy. By the way, there's a 1970 comic, Casper the Friendly Ghost, of course, friendly, like everything's so friendly with ghosts, the ghostly trio. So isn't that funny? Like, you know, you've got the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Well, guess what? you got the three spooketeers. No big deal. But but this is the, the interesting thing. I mean, Hocus Pocus, this book, and it was an old book from the 1700s. It had the magician's pact, how to summon demons, uttering the nine divine mystic names, spells to resurrect the dead. You got the kids playing, you know, the Ouija boards coming back. you got all this stuff going on. I mean, this stuff is straight out of the pit of hell. But I get a kick of how, you know, Casper is just a friendly ghost. And it's just it's just white witchcraft. It's sold under this bill of goods of so benevolent, but it's anything but. Exactly. Somebody, so there's a game that's coming back with kids. I keep forgetting the name of it. Yeah, so Charlie, the, Char the Charlie, Charlie challenge that yeah. um, a Ouija three, the movie. 
a Ouija 3 in 2016 had the Charlie Charlie challenge in it. And that's another thing is they're always teaching teens and young kids high level witchcraft, actual rituals, spells, practices. I mean, that is the frightening part of this. Yeah, you know, that's right. There's just so much on this. So many kids are into into the table tipping. And, the, you know, Satan is all too happy to accommodate whatever it is they want to dabble in. He will show himself to be real, and they'll get into it. And the further, the, the closer, the more they get into it, the further away from Jesus they get. You know, there's so many different paranormal groups, TV programs, media. I mean, one time back a few years ago, I was collecting articles. It only took me about three weeks to collect collect about 15 articles from major newspapers about all these places that you could go to uh, visit and uh, come here because we've got ghosts and people go there because we've got ghosts you know one time mike and i were were headed down mike i don't know if mike remembers he will let him say if he does i just wanted to bring this up real quick that we were in a restaurant in atmore alabama we were traveling south from birmingham and we stopped for lunch and there was a paranormal group over at the table near us, right next to us, real close. I could see that they had their paranormal stuff with them. I don't know. Maybe they were afraid somebody was going to steal it out of the car. I don't know. But it was right in there by, by the table beside them. And uh, I said, hi, you must be a paranormal group. And they said, yeah, 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 we're ghost hunters. And I said, wow, isn't that nice? I'm a ghost buster. And then I said something like, uh, I, said, I don't hunt for ghosts. I don't look for ghosts. I don't need to prove ghosts. I don't need to have evidence of ghosts. I don't need to find ghosts. I just get rid of them. And I thought that would start up a conversation, but instead it scared them and they, they left. But that's the thing. See, Christians don't need any proof. In fact, you don't need to go hunting for ghosts. I'm telling you, people will come and tell you about their ghosts. And if they're Christians, you can help them out by getting rid of the ghosts. And if they're not Christians, you can get them saved by getting rid of their ghosts. We need to use ghosts for the furthering of the kingdom of God. So many paranormal groups are out there trying to prove their theology. I can just go over one TV program over another or other that very, very few of these ghost-finding groups actually speak to the fact that these are demons. Every now and then you do see one. That they'll, they'll talk about the demons. They don't have a very good solution for how to get rid of the demons, but at least they admit that they're, they are demons. Um, but they, they want you to believe in uh, reincarnation. Well, go ahead. Go ahead and read Hebrews 9.27 now. Okay. Uh, Hebrews 9.27. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. See, the Bible, has, there's a lot of places in the Bible that really indicate and talk about that you have, you, you, you have a chance to get right with God before you die. Period. After you die, it's the judgment. And uh, so many of these ghost groups are just designing their own religion, their own theology around what they're trying to prove about ghosts. Whether they're trying to prove that ghosts are just people hovering around wherever, never, never land between heaven and, and earth, waiting until they cross over. I, there's just so many different theories that ghost hunters and paranormal people are trying to get people to believe, but that's what demons want to do. Demons are in the business of changing your theology, and we can go, go, we can go over that over and over again with all kinds of, of demons, but particularly ghosts. They want you to think that they're, you're sure there's an afterlife, and and you've got another chance or two or three or four and you can get it right before you cross over but what they do what they want to do is they want to change your life all right they want to change your life for the worse they want you to put fear into you they want to if you're on track with Jesus they want to get you off track but that's what demons do I don't care what demon it is but that's what ghosts do here's one for you to look up because we're on the subject first Peter 5 8 well you can read from the nearly inspired version which that's what Derek Prince calls it NIV. I think <laughs> it's funny. Okay, 1 Peter 5, 8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. One thing I want to say here, and this, I think this just came to me that, you know, the uh, gal that followed Paul around for three days and they, here's Isa here from the garden behind Jesus. No, or she, I won't go into what she said all the time, but she just kept on until I'm sure the spirit of God prompted Paul and he got fed up and cast it out. But that demon knew more about 
Jesus than the Christians around there, apparently, and the people. You know, so it's, uh, it is, you know, ever since you read Malachi, my people perish for lack of knowledge. That can be applied to a lot of things, and I think that's why these shows are good. Uh, if you're having trouble, there's so many things that happen and go bump in the night that are happening to people out there that are, that are listening. I tell people this is the best one to memorize, to speak to demons, whether it's ghosts or any kind of whatever demon. Okay, Sheila, Luke 10, 17 through 20. Uh, Luke 10, 17 through 20. Uh, this is, well, 19 is one of my favorite scriptures there. And the 70 returned again rejoicing, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through your name. And then down in 19, behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And then I love this here in 20. Notwithstanding this rejoice not that the spirits are what? They're subject unto you. That's right. Now, that's one of the big things that people need to really get in their mind. Demons are terrified of you. A lot of times ghosts will not manifest, and that's because they're so terrified that you're going to get rid of them. They will tippy-toe around you, and they will not manifest, and you don't have to have them manifest. You can get rid of them. All you have to do is know that they are there. Say things like, uh, hey, you foul spirit, you ghost, you listen up. The Bible says that all I have to do is resist you. It says that in James 4, 7. They hate to hear that. Demons hate to hear you quote. I'm not afraid of you. The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a strong mind. I have a strong mind. You're afraid of me. I'm not afraid of you. As a matter of fact, you, you foul ghost, you are terrified of me. That's what the Bible says. And then the other thing, same with that other, uh, that other section, Luke 10, 17 through 10, 20, is a great passage to memorize. Demons will try to change your life. Ghosts will try to change your life. Well, Gail, we've got to intercede here and say that I believe this is, you know, this is Mike 1 6 or something like that, but I believe their intent is to get into an individual. The individual they're messing with is to get into them. And I think we need to fear more the ones that are inside people than the others, but we got to get rid of the others too. But, you know, I don't think they're just hanging around for no reason. You know, they are torment, kill, steal, and destroy. they got a mission to do that. But I, I believe their ultimate goal is to get inside somebody and do what they want to do through them. All right. That's what hauntings are all about. Ghosts are hanging around things. We could spend a lot of time talking about all the ghosts that attach themselves to things and buildings and places. They are hanging around because of what they want is they want a human body. And they will take the opportunity. When you're messing with a Ouija board or playing um, Charlie Charlie, you are issuing an invitation to those ghosts to just come on in. You're opening the door. And there's several other things people do with mirrors. There's a Mary Mary, a Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary kind of thing. And there's through the years, you know, things have changed a lot. It's just people trying to get information, power, or things like this from any source other than God is off limits. It's just that simple. But that's just the point, Mike and Gail. It is everything but God when it comes to, I mean, look at all these paranormal activity movies. There was Paranormal 1 that came out in, it was called Paranormal Activity 2007. Then, just spring forward to 2010, Paranormal Activity 2. Then 3 came out in 2011. Paranormal Activity 4 came out in 2012. And then finally, The Darkness is kind of like in that trilogy. Another one where, and it's always, you know, two children on a fun-filled vacation and strange events occur. But, you know, you never actually see Christians come in there and cast these things out. It's always some priest, like look in the case of Linda Blair's The Exorcist. I mean, what a big drama scene that was. But also how many people were just plagued, tormented, and haunted by that show as well. People had nightmares for the rest of their life after that show. But my point is, these movies always portray it like, oh, these Christians are no match for these demons. It's like just one big circus act is what they portray Christians as, really. One thing I want to say here, and this, you know, years ago go, I did more ministry after this gal's head turned around all the way around 
in the exorcist than I have probably before or since. And I think the devil said, decided he was overplaying his hand a little too much. So he went to programs like Once Upon a Time or Paranormal Ghost Hunters or, the, or just all kind of different things that these spirits involved with, with flying saucers and, and Bigfoots and all kind of. Just he's trying to get in. Now, one program that I want to sound like I'm rambling, but I'm getting here that keeps coming to me. And I watched this for a long time. I used to like science fiction a lot. In fact, I would have liked to have been a science fiction writer, I guess, at one time. But but anyway, what program that I watched a long time, it seems like it's never ending and it can reach a huge audience of very small children to teenagers to even a goof like me. And it's called Once Upon a Time. I don't know if you've ever looked at it, but it covers everything you can imagine, which is warlocks, evil demons, but in such a way that it's, you know, it's like packing them in ice cream and just giving mm-hmm. you whatever flavor you want. Mm-hmm. Gail? That is a great example, really. That's a great example. There are just so many programs out there that are dished up for our children to get them sucked into it. You said paranormal. That's a that is the uh, benign word for a nasty word in the Bible is divination, like like what Mike was just talking about. Is that this is the bottom line? Divination is getting something from a source other than God, and God, it's an abomination to God. It provokes him. It makes him mad. God is a jealous God. Let me go to just one real quick. I want to just hit this really quick. There is another way you can get rid of ghosts. I've heard so many stories like this. I just have to bring this one up. There was a girl back in Illinois. She was going to a church, and they were having a, a kind of a, a problem in the church, and it was going to split. And they were, she and her family, her parents were leaving the church, but she was the janitor of the church, and this was her last time cleaning the church. And so she's in the church, vacuuming in the in the sanctuary, and they had seen strange things in the church, but never anything in the sanctuary until this day. She saw about 12 grim reapers lining the wall, great big, huge, 10, 11 foot tall, black monster-looking grim reapers, you know, lining the wall. It really scared her, but she's vacuuming, so she starts vacuuming really fast, and she starts singing praise songs because she's got to get this done. So she's vacuuming fast and singing fast at the top of her lungs. She's screaming praise songs, and the grim reapers, the ghosts, they start to leave one by one. They disappear. There's only one way to skin a cat. There's so many sexual demons. I wanted to go over a couple of them that are really prevalent these days. The reason I want to bring this up is because Sheila, every other day I run into somebody who will contact me on my website or talk, call or maybe call us and they want to talk to Mike and I or email me and they've got something similar to this. Well, this one woman had been raped by a huge Pokemon character in Russia, and it was in the newspaper. I put this on my website, and um, it's just amazing. I, a couple of years ago, two or three years ago, since then, I mean, I, you'd be amazed at how many times I hear of this. She was raped by this big, huge Pokemon character, but were her husband and the police, her husband called the police when this happened, and both of them accused her of being crazy, and she was committed to a mental institution. Wow. It, People don't believe people, those who tell them what approaches them in the night. Uh, what Mike brought up wanting to be a, a sci-fi writer, uh, one girl that I've talked with a lot, she's a great ghostbuster now. I mean, she's a demon buster. She's uh, talked with her frequently. She's uh, in the Air Force now. She's a young girl. She gets a lot of deliverance done, but she had a real hard time with uh, sexual abuse demons that came uh, to her in the night. Uh, uh, because, and she, when she started getting success over it herself, when she started casting them out herself, when she burned a book that she wrote, she wrote a Star Wars book, and it was so good. She was young at the time. She was like 11, 12. People were amazed at how great the book was. They almost, they tried to get her to publish it. Her parents were Christians. They didn't go for it. They didn't let her publish it. But when she burned it, she started getting relief. And since then, she's learned a lot about how to combat these demons. And people can learn a lot about how to combat these demons. But this is rampant. This is so rampant. It's just amazing how many people I hear from. But here's another one. I want to give this story because this one is something that it seems to be in vogue, Sheila. You've probably heard a lot of people say this. But this is becoming more and more and more popular ghost. I mean, this ghost is really making a comeback. This I heard about this first time 
at Lake Hamilton about 15 years ago. I read a little book by Glenn Miller, who started Lake Hamilton. His wife wrote a book. His wife, Irma, wrote a book. In this story, I can't tell you how many times I've heard the exact same story. Erica, a friend of a Mike knows Erica. In California, a friend of ours said the same thing. Her husband would come to her at night, her dead husband, and comfort her. He died. She was uh, distraught because he died, and his ghost would come to her and comfort her, sit on the bed beside her and, and um, make her feel better. And, and Irma's friend, Irma's writing a book saying the same thing. She, her friend's telling her about her, oh, I'm so happy my husband comes back. You know, he's dead. But he comes back to comfort her and sits on the bed. And she says, everything must be okay. He must be in heaven. He must be coming from heaven. And oh, it's wonderful. And isn't it wonderful, Irma? And said, Irma said, shame on you. You're a Christian. You know good and well that's not a ghost. That's not your husband. That's nothing but a demon. I want to. I want you to do something for me. So that's what I started doing 15 years ago, Sheila. I was for a long time. Yeah, won't you tell, you even dealt with my mother along those lines because exactly. she'd been married to my father so many years, you know, they were kind of inseparable. Well, that's right. Same thing happened to Mike's mother. Okay, so she said, Irma said to the lady, and I said to Mike's mother, she said, I want you to do something for me. I said it to Mike's mother. I mean, I've said it to a gazillion people, Sheila says them. I mean, it's ramping up. It's really, you've probably heard of it a lot. Anyway, then she said, now, here's what I want you to do when the, when he comes tonight. I want you to do something for me. You're sitting, he's sitting beside you on the bed. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to touch him on the nose, and I want you to say, you're nothing but a demon. You're not the ghost of my husband. You're just a demon. I want you to leave and never come back. And he went poof and left and never came back. Same thing happened to Mike's mother. Well, you know, years ago, Houdini, he he said there was any way to come back he was going to come back there was a lot of you know photo roll over all that which you know is traumatic but nobody ever proved that he could come back but i think where we're getting here that people are so lonesome that now on so many things going on you know they these demons will play like their comfort i think yeah one thing you ought to go into is how they deal with little kids how they'll become friends with them and that sort of thing they have dolls and things that talk to them and speak to them we've got friends i've got a friend um debbie i was going to mention something about uh, what happened to her son when a grim reaper came to him but these dolls will make the kids feel like they're friends that's what that's what they do they want to make a lot of times they will suck you in by making you feel good about something for instance mitzi our secretary her dog died and one day she he was he was dead and she he had a certain kind of collar and a jingle on his collar and she heard him one day coming down the hall she thought oh my gosh look at there so-and-so's back she heard the familiar that familiar sound of her beloved dog coming down the hall and then she said to herself no nope i got another scripture for you sheila she said no here's what she, she said to that that demon you're not the ghost of my dog. You're just a foul demon spirit. You leave and don't you ever come back. And that jingle never came back. Here's your scripture, Sheila. 2 Corinthians 11, 14. They want us to make, they want to make us feel good. They do all kinds of things to change your theology into believing something that is untrue, a deceptive lie. That's, they're in the business. Demons are in the business of causing, lying to you, but so are ghosts. Go ahead, Sheila. Have you got 2 Corinthians 11, 14? 2 Corinthians 11:14 and no marvel for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Well there you go Gail transforming into other things. That's what these demons do, especially a lot of people write me about getting attacked at night, being held down, being choked, being tormented at night. These incubus, succubus, and some of them disguise themselves. They transform themselves into these beautiful males and females, but that is short-lived that's right if they if they uh we ought to pray that everybody that is involved with one in this manner could see them in their true form that would sure change it because i <laughs> that one guy <laughs> yeah. when he saw that he was having sex with a hairy ape he he took out i mean he didn't wait i mean you know he just left he left town to never come back this had come to me, I didn't know why, because I was thinking, well, maybe this doesn't fit on this program, but I've got a friend that, you know, he spent time in Taos, and he's married to an Indian gal that was a, a really good uh, evangelist, different things. Anyway, Gary and his wife had more experience with shape-shifting than anybody I've ever known, because they've lived in these remote areas, 
ministering to Indian tribes and all that sort of thing, and there just seemed to be more activity along those lines, and he told a, a lot of different stories. I've had a little bit of experience in shape-shifting, but there's no question about it. They can transform themselves. I mean, let's face it, these things can be a lying spirit of one kind one day and another thing another day. They are evil spirits, and they come to kill, steal, and destroy. There is no good in them. In fact, uh, one time I was ministering, yeah, I'm going to throw this in, and, and I, I used to teach a lot of people when I would go mostly overseas because people didn't want you to, wouldn't give you the freedom here, but I was kind of teaching some people how to cast out demons, and this one young guy had been really uh, enthusiastic. I think this was Vincent's Indiana, and he got to talking to the demon, and the demon said, look, I don't know why you're picking on me. I'm, you got a chance to get saved i don't have to get pretty you know pretty soon the, the demon had the, the guy one feeling sorry for him and i went over there and said hey ben they just came to kiss this dry that demon got screaming and laughing about this fool almost you know was believing him before i came up so they are going to approach it any way they can like a con artist how can they con you they can't con you unless they like them in other words they can come in any form it takes sex you know, now I think the uh, shapeshifters are interesting because my friend would tell stories about you know, his wife be riding down the road and they would see this a werewolf and all like that. Well, that terrified the average person, you know. But all of them are subject to us. I think that's really important. Subject to us in Jesus' name. Now, they've reminded me a number of times they could eat my lunch if it weren't for Jesus. And I just remind them, yes, but there is Jesus. And that's the point. Go ahead, Gail. Okay, there's a, there's two there's a couple I want to tell. One was a, is a was our favorite story, and then another one is one about a, a young boy. I think I'll tell it first because it's quicker. A young boy, Ryan, was uh, living with his aunt because he was very rebellious, and was his his parents just were at their wits' end. They didn't know what to do. His aunt was a Christian, and the parents were not, but they knew that uh, the aunt was a Christian, so they thought maybe she could straighten him out. She was a friend of ours. But the bondage is great. This tormenting, you know, some of these sex spirits, they, they start out being wonderful sex, and then it gets to be tormenting sex. I heard about one guy who was raped in it from his anus uh, all day long, and he just went crazy. And, uh, you know, it started out great. He thought it was wonderful. He let him in. You have to be careful of these things. They'll try to get a hold of you. But anyway, that's what they were doing with Ryan. They were trying to ruin his life. He was into dressing in black. And because of his desire to um, be on the dark side, one night he had a, to make a long story short, he had a lot of problems. Like one of the things he had sleep paralysis and he said at the time of the sleep paralysis he felt like it was darkness and evil and then he got up after um when he could get up he went and looked in the mirror and when he looked in the mirror he did not see his reflection he saw a hairy monster ape-like demon and then when he went and sat down in his stupor-like condition and started doing volumes of automatic handwriting and in the handwriting over and over again he said i am satan i am going to kill so and so and so and so and so and so and then i'm going to kill myself so the next morning he woke up that was the catalyst that scared him to death his aunt said well are you ready to get saved are you ready to get rid of these demons and he says yes yes i am ready she called us we met him at a restaurant in Irvine. She, aunt was in Irvine. He lived in Vegas. And, uh, and she called us, and the deliverance was quick because he was ready. Uh, now, in this case, it's not quite uh, the same thing. It's not really. It was the ghost that scared him, the various different ghost-type beings that scared him to death. But the demon was in him. He needed deliverance. As soon as he got deliverance, he was ready to whatever Mike said. Mike got him saved right there on the bat. He was so happy. He wanted to hurry up and finish eating because he wanted to go home and change out of his black clothes. Oh, I, I think what's important here, Gail, even the people are wanting us to do it, thought it was going to be a big deal, and they were going to set up to go here and there and there. I said, let's go down to the coffee shop place and have some coffee, and, and we'll take care of it. And they thought, what? Mm -hmm. You know, because people get in a religious frame of mind. I do this kind of thing all the time. We're sitting there, and oh, it was serious. He's all dressed in black, and, of course, this letter that he wrote, among other things, it just scared everybody crazy. But he was open, and we got all those spirits out, and, and the way one, you could tell that everybody at the table could tell. And then, then the first thing he wanted to do, we didn't tell him what to do. He wanted to go get out of that black garb. 
these some of these things are quick. They're quick and easy. Getting ready at the ghosts are easy. Now that was a combination of, you know, really he needed deliverance. He needed the deliverance so that he those ghosts couldn't stay attached to him. We could have a whole program on ghosts are attached to objects, buildings, people, and places. But, but here's one on that. The, the actually our very favorite story is an example of that. How demons, ghosts are attached to places. Nakoma in northern. California. It's on the eastern border of uh, California. Beautiful area, um, large resort. Uh, Frank Lloyd Wright designed the building, beautiful building, a beautiful clubhouse, one of the most beautiful buildings I've ever seen or been in or had anything to do with, and an incredible golf course. We got to stay in one of the villas, beautiful. They were uh, they were designed after the Frank Lloyd Wright clubhouse, the main building where the restaurant and the, the um, pro shop and the bar and the beautiful you know, the swimming pool was in the basement. It was quite a place. And we were so fortunate because we had friends that were looking to buy it. They were looking to do a business deal. They weren't going to buy it all themselves. They were working about working into doing a business and buying a resort and actually doing some Christian things with the, with the resort, but mainly keep it a, a five-star resort. Actually, we always tell people it was actually six stars on a scale of five. I mean, it was the most beautiful place I've ever been. I mean, uh, the little villas were just really something. They had a jacuzzi in the bathroom, a jacuzzi on the porch outside. It was unbelievable. And we were so lucky and fortunate because they said, hey, this resort is having problems because they're losing business because of these ghosts. The staff is terrified. The owners are afraid they're not going to be able to sell it. And we we need to help them get rid of these ghosts so that um, we can get it going again. But they were just being very nice because they were they were going to get rid of the ghosts whether the they were able to buy it or not. They were kind of beside themselves on what to do. They were terrified. There were basically there were a lot of ghosts. A lot. It was most of the ghosts revolved around Indian this or that. At night they would see Indians walking around the property. Uh, they would see an Indian chief in the basement. They would. Um, there was a lot of Indian stuff going on, and and it was probably because of um, there had been Indian burial, and usually burial grounds go along with worship grounds. There's a lot of. The scripture even that talks about the demons are attached to worshiping other gods. I'm not going to go over all the scripture right now. But um, every staff member heard the screaming Mimi in the basement. They would usually, it was the last person to lock up that was there at night that would hear, hear the screaming Mimi in the basement where the pool was. The salon and the um, the uh, massage rooms and the offices were downstairs with the swimming pool and the weight room and all that. But from below, they would hear a blood-curdling scream like a woman was being murdered downstairs. And they would run downstairs, and of course, there was nothing there. The employees would see the Indian chief sometimes standing in the hall downstairs with his arms crossed, with his headdress on. They almost all saw that. There's another one that they all experienced when they're at night, the last one locking up. They would be coming up the stairs from the kitchen downstairs, coming upstairs to the dining room area. And behind them, on the steps, they would hear footsteps right behind them. They would stop on the footstep because out of terror and turn around and see who was there they knew they were the only one in the building and the footsteps would just go right past them on up the steps they all heard that there were a lot of them a lot of things like that that they all experienced now the bartender he experienced something that the others didn't when he would be in the wine cellar there would be wine bottles would be thrown at him he'd have to catch them duck he'd dodge them and he experienced that um one day that one of the fellows that was with us he was one of the people that our friends brought with him. He was, I think he was an accountant or something because he was always, he was checking the books a lot while we were there, looking at things to see, you know, if everything was the way it was purported to be. And he was in the pro shop checking things at night one time by himself. And the, you know what a grate looks like when you are at a shop in a mall? They don't have doors. They have these grates that go down at night and lock. And you can still see in the shop, but nobody can get in there. That's the way it was at the pro shop in the beautiful, I really haven't done this place justice. The 
most beautiful fireplaces I've ever seen. But he heard the grate go down. He was in the office looking at the books, and he heard the grate slam down. And uh, he ran out to see who in the world shut the grate. Nobody. And it locked. And he, he could not unlock it from inside. It had to be unlocked from the outside. He had to wait in there all night until somebody came the next morning and let him out. Um, then the other thing that he did, he got to stay in this, there's a beautiful bedroom upstairs in the very tippy top. It's kind of pointy at the top of the, of the resort main clubhouse building there. And it was, a, he got to stay in that bedroom. And from that bedroom, he could hear the screaming Mimi in the basement. He ran down there to see who was screaming like that. And of course, no one, no one was there. So it wasn't just hearsay. There were people, there was this fellow from our group that actually experienced some of these things. And one of the worst things of all was the chapel. The staff would not even tell us, would they, Mike, of what was what was what had gone on in the chapel that they were afraid to tell, even tell us. They wouldn't go in it. They wouldn't unlock it. They and, and we're talking mostly Christian people were only the ones left, and they needed the job so bad. All of it told us, told us they wouldn't be there. They didn't have to have the job, but they were getting to the breaking point where they're going to have to leave. Because, Gil, you're telling a lot about the resort. You need to tell about their experiences of these people. They were just terrified. There's a huge boulder outside on one side of the building. I mean, huge, bigger D10s and bigger than, you know, biggest piece of equipment I think of. And, and they were, every morning it would be moved. That's just one of the things. There were a lot of things like that that don't seem to be all that harmful. But then there were others that terrified each one of them individually in the kitchen, different places like that. Gail, I think those are the ones maybe to hit. <laughs> That's true. There were so many. Like the the, the cooks were afraid to be in the kitchen by themselves because there was so much stuff going on. And um, the one that seemed to be the worst, though, was the chapel. We finally talked them into letting us into the chapel because we wanted to go in there to cast out the ghosts, cast out the demons or the ghosts where they never really saw. I don't. They wouldn't tell us what it was in there. But we came to the conclusion after what we did that it had to do with something to do with, we believe, Frank Lloyd Wright's uh, affair. When it was uh, his, the plans for this building were uh, commissioned in the 30s when Frank Lloyd Wright designed the building, but it was shelved because the guy who was going to buy it, who had commissioned it, didn't want it anymore when, they, when the scandal broke out of Frank Lloyd Wright's affair. So it was on the shelf for a long time. The coma is not that old. It has been the, that building has been built within the last 20 years. I don't know. It's a fairly young building. But we decided to come against those demons in the chapel as sexual demons, sexual problems that probably came from that Frank Lloyd Wright affair. The interesting thing, too, was um, the only one that gave us trouble was the bartender. He thought that, that he, he knew it all. He had had experiences with demons. And he, he, in his backyard one time, a demon kicked him in the back when he was having a party. And he learned that you're supposed to respect demons. If you respect them, ghosts or demons or whatever it was that kicked him in the back. He was the only one that didn't want to listen to us. He says, no, no, I've got everything under control. He says, I know what to do. Every time I go in a room, I cross myself and say, e pluribus unum, and they don't bother me. And, of course, they don't bother me until he went to the wine cellar where they were throwing bottles at him. But there were two mockers. I'm going to get to the second mocker later. But to make a long story short, we didn't see a single ghost. Not one of these things that they all talked about, all these ghosts. We didn't see one. We got rid of them, though. The only one that experienced ghosts after we left was the bartender. It scared him so bad, he left and never came back. He left his coat. He didn't even lock the door. He ran out. But he did tell somebody what happened. He said, there was this demon in my face. It sounded like the woman in the basement, the screaming Mimi. She was in my face chattering, and I could not get her out of my face. It scared him so badly, he ran out of the building. He didn't lock it. He left, and they, they heard from him. He told them what happened, but they've never seen him since. Later on, we, we learned, because of course we called Debbie to say, Debbie, what happened? And she said, no, they haven't seen any anymore. They don't have this problem anymore. The problem's gone. Except for one thing, and it's very interesting. There's one other mocker. Sheila, there was one other mocker. Later on, a woman who was a banker or something went with my friend back to Nakoma 
to the resort for another business meeting. And um, this was a Jewish lady. And so Debbie was just being nice. She said, but if you do see any of these ghosts or have any problems, all you have to do is say, in the name of Jesus, you go in Jesus' name and don't come back. And the Jewish lady said, oh, no, no, no. I don't want to hear. Don't tell me about Jesus. I don't want to hear any of that. It's not just because she was Jewish. A lot of people might have done that. You know, a lot of people with different religions would have been negative about saying something in the name of Jesus. But that night, she was in bed and the temperature dropped and she started to become afraid and very terrified. I don't know who to, who she told this story to, but this is, Debbie told me this story. She said she had to go to the bathroom so bad, she was putting it off, putting it off. Finally, she had to go, and when she got up, she felt like she was walking through a thousand spider webs. She got to the light, <laughs> turned on the light, and the spider webs were gone. Anyway, there were only two mockers, and there were only, there have only been two who have experienced ghosts since we left. There are just so many different instances in the kitchen about them moving their utensil stuff around they need knives and stuff like that in other words they're always doing stuff in there i'm not going to say and this what uh, astounded me and does about a lot of these things christians you know they just haven't been taught along these lines in fact i've talked to a lot of pastors and none of them in the u.s wanted us to do deliverance it didn't seem like because they said oh, gosh i don't know why you would fool with them why in the world would you pick a ministry like this most of them have the idea if you don't bother them they won't bother you which is a lie go ahead <laughs> Okay. Um, you know, like I said, we can go on and on, but I think, Sheila, there's a verse for you to read that is um, that sort of sums it up and the reason why we did this show. 2 Corinthians 2.11. We need to know these things. There's one other thing I wanted to say before we go away. If you'll read that, it sort of sums up why Sheila is diligent to bring to you these things you need to be aware of. Yeah, well said, well said. Well, maybe there's somebody listening to this program. Maybe you're having some weird encounters. Are you getting tormented by these spirits, these demons? They're called tormenting spirits, folks. They are demons. And Gail and Mike, why don't we pray for the folks out there who may just be having these kind of issues? You guys both go ahead and then I'll finish up. Okay, one thing to end this up with that's very important is, and you don't need to get all bent out of shape about it, but you need to ask the Lord to show you if there's anything you're doing in your life you need to do or anything you need to clear up that would give these things a legal right to be there. Because if they don't have a legal right to be there, in Jesus' name, they're going to leave and never come back. So I want to add that to the, to the prayers in Jesus' name. Amen. Gail, kick it off. Okay, well, that would be good. I want to say one little thing for that first, and then Mike is really good, good at that. He loves to, he wants to go after these demons. A funny thing happened once, Mike. Mike bought in a thrift store a 39-cent plaque, and uh, it's old-fashioned, old English writing, and it's really, and I, and I get, get, he gives me the plaque, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, where am I going to put this? But it's really funny. The plaque reads, from ghoulies and ghosties, long-legged beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Good Lord, deliver us. And that's what Mike wants to do. He wants to do a prayer right now. Anybody out there that's having these problems, our ministry is, we used to call it set free, and we feel like the Lord spoke to us and said, we want you to be able to set people free to do what God's called them to do. And these things want to keep you from doing what God's called you to do. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, through the power of the blood and authority in the name of Jesus, command that that power they have over you be broken, that you be not only empowered to deal with them, but you feel an unction to deal with them, and you you no longer afraid of them. You're going to put the fear of you in them and you will chase them off in jesus name amen yes father in the name of jesus we just ask you to bring people to a knowledge of the truth on this they need to learn to be bold and courageous and speak out loud to these demons and we do that right now you foul spirits of ghosts and demons that are in the business of fear-mongering right now we speak to you in the name of jesus you're just a foul spirit you're nothing more than a spirit and you are subject to the name of jesus and we use the name of jesus is against you. We command you. We bind you. We command you to come out. You let these people alone. You quit your tormenting. We ask the Lord to send ministering angels to torment you until you leave them alone, whether you're a ghost from the outside or if you're a demon from the inside. Either one, it doesn't matter. The name of Jesus has power over you, and we sick the name of Jesus on you. In the name of Jesus,
Jesus, you must go. We bind you and destroy you from these people that they will have power in the name of Jesus over every ghost and every demon and every torment and every fear that they are experiencing in their lives right now. Well, and right now, all the spirits that came into people through the eye gates, the ear gates, watching these movies like Ouija, Paranormal, all these movies, we command every devil that came in through that, you get out now in Jesus Christ's name. In the mighty name of Jesus, we take authority right now over the principalities, powers, thrones, wicked spirits, and the rulers in the high places, all those devils. We bind in everlasting chains all these rulers, mites, thrones, dominions, all these... uh, scanner spirits, watcher spirits, human spirits that travel by astral projection in the form of ghouls and ghosts, the divination and witchcraft spirits, the sorcerers, the the soul hunters, the the familiar spirits, any rituals, altars, charms, incantations. Mike mentioned earlier the pentagram. We bind every garland, pentagram, ligature, fetter chain, ley line. We break the power of that thing in the name of Jesus. And we bind all those spirits of witchcraft assigned to us in the name of of Jesus Christ and all incubus, succubus, any devils that are holding people down at night, sitting on people, threatening people, tormenting people. We break the power of that thing right now. We command those things to go and we send out legions of angels to go minister to your people now. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray and we just give you thanks. We give you thanks, Father. Deliverance is the children's bread. And we thank you so much for everything that you're doing in the lives of the listeners. We pray a hedge of protection over them in Jesus. Jesus' mighty name. Gail and Mike, thank you so much for coming on the program, and we look forward to having you back on real soon. Thank you. Have fun. Thank you, Sue. Folks, that was Mike and Gail Patton. Now I'm going to give out the website, and I've also got it linked below in the description, and you can reach out to them and let them know you heard them on the program. It is sexualabusedemons.com, and don't let the title fool you. Not only do demons sexually abuse people, but a lot of people that have been sexually abused, they have a lot of stuff going on. So reach out to Mike and Gail again. That's sexualabusedemons.com. It is linked in the description below if you're watching on YouTube. What a great show today. Listen, we have a fantastic lineup for the rest of the week. Be sure to be tuned in. Make sure you are subscribed to my YouTube channel because we've got great shows coming out all this month. So be tuned into that. And if you have any questions or comments on the show, you can reach out to me over there at www.sheila.com.media. Again, that's www.sheila.media. Reach out to me if you have any questions or comments, or if you have an idea for a guest, shoot me an email over there again at www.sheila.media. And we'll see you real soon. Good night and God bless.